I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 23 of the MLS Fantasy Insider. Tonight's episode is part two of our MLS is Back Fantasy Takeaway series. Tonight's episode is brought to you by El Trafico, the most disappointing thing to come from Disney since the new Star Wars. Uh, uh, wait, 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 sorry, sorry, no, no, uh, I mean... Uh, tonight's episode is brought to you by the amazing Patreon supporters of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast and MLSFantasyBoss.com. You all are seriously uh, some of the most awesome people that I have had the pleasure to know. I'm your host, Reed Connolly, from MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by my usual lineup of, uh, of fantasy experts, my partners in fantasy. I almost didn't go with that because Weeby's gone and hasn't done partners in soccer while he's on paternity leave. But I was like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna stick with it. We're gonna stick with it. Uh, Michael Denton and Blaine Riffle, how are you guys doing? I'm good. Speaking of Weeby, uh, Reed, I think you and I have some beef. Do right we? Now. We 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 do because you see, I I see some of the things that you tweet out, and I saw that you apparently tweeted at Weeby for paternity advice. Are you asking the guy who can't even remember his transfers for advice how to raise your kid? That's a what good point. What are you point. doing? That's a good point. I, I have not sent him a DM recently. It was it was purely <laughs> due to recency of childbirth. So so we shall see. Very, very good points. Very good points. But yes, <laughs> no, no, I did. And he's a, he's a stand-up guy and said that he's always open for dad DMs, so... Maybe that's that'll be a whole separate podcast or something. Dad DMs, and we can just talk about that. <laughs> that'll be our, our our third side project. Uh, well, guys, thanks for coming again. Thanks for everyone uh, for listening. Apologies for last week getting the episode uploaded so late. I have been absolutely slammed at my real life job, and uh, it, time just just plain got away from me. So I am going to try to make this better this week uh, for those of you listening on youtube you're hearing this now if you're listening on soundcloud or your favorite podcast service uh with hope i have lived up to this statement and it's not friday when i get this uploaded uh but no again so sorry for that no one reached out to me so maybe no one noticed or nobody cared but uh again i do sorry just real life got it got away with me uh, but we are here to talk about soccer again which is amazing it's an amazing feeling to be able to do that not quite fantasy related slightly fantasy related because as you may have heard last week if you haven't tuned in uh, last week we talked about some fantasy takeaways from week one of the mls's back tournament and we're continuing this series because this is essentially preseason and you've heard the pundits talk about that you've heard uh, mls not mls we've heard extra time radio talking about that and it's it's essentially uh preseason for a lot of these teams some experimentation is going and I prefer to think of it as preseason plus because we're getting a lot better details, I think, from a lot of teams. And preseason normally gets us when there is definitely much more experimentation going on. And right now, in this group stage, these games matter. So 
I think we're getting some good information. And that's what we're going to talk about this time. Week two, we're doing the calendar week. So we're going to catch up on some of the games that were happening Monday that hadn't finished by the time that we finished our last podcast. And we're going to go through right now. So uh, I doubt we are going to uh, get a chance to... Wrong. Wrong tab. Too many tabs. Uh, We may get a chance to talk about the Philly-Orlando game, but we may save that for next week when I have some stats to go along with it. So are you guys ready to do this? Let's go. Yes, but I think we should give a quick update for anybody on YouTube. We're at this right now. Um, The teams just scored within two minutes of each other. Ilsenio put Philadelphia ahead, and then Perea just got one with the Nani assist. I've got the game up on the other screen, but because I can't stop watching soccer right now. (laughs) I have a couple of screens going, but one of them is this stream. One of them is a laptop with my notes, and the other one is the fantasy game. Because last week, I didn't have uh, my fantasy screen open up, so I couldn't mention some of the price points in case we we find that interesting. Uh, So I want to have that available to us right now. So... Uh, guys, let's start out with where we left off last week. We're going to going to talk about LA Galaxy versus Portland. Uh, this game was uh, 1-2 in Portland's favor. Goals by uh, Jeremy Abobasi, assisted by Blanco and Valeri. No surprise there. Uh, also a straight-up goal and assisted by, by Blanco. And then on LA Galaxy, Chicharito with a goal assisted by Gordon Wilde and Pavone. Uh, 12 shots for both teams. 26 crosses for LA Galaxy. 16 crosses for Portland. Possession went 52-48, so about about even. Key players for me for this game. I mean, Chicharito has to be one that pops out as a key player, though not available in his next game. Spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> Stairs had some great defensive numbers again. Then also, uh, uh, Insuna had some, some good numbers. And then Pavone had some good defensive numbers, in, in, as well as some of his crossing numbers. For Portland, of course, uh, goal scorer Bobasi, and then Blanco, Valeri. Usual suspects right here. And then uh, Maviala had some great defensive numbers right there. This, this seems basic stuff. So consistent with what we usually see with Fantasy. Uh, guys, specifically with LA Galaxy, some of the first action for Chicharito. How does that make you feel? Um, I mean, I think in general, Chicharito has been underwhelming as a player. We kind of looked at him and wondered if he was going to be another Zlatan or, or Bruni coming to the league and t- took it by storm. Um, he had a PK opportunity in this that um, he didn't have a really good shot on uh, and was saved by Clark. Uh, the, the goal that he did score in this one was, uh, I think, right before 90 minutes. It was a 2 nothing lead. It wasn't like an amazing goal. Um I just don't know that he's worth the price point generally unless the Galaxy just have a tremendous matchup. Also yeah. worth mentioning that late in the game, uh, Z- uh, Zuparik had a red card, second yellow card, and an ejection. So I think I cut you off, Blaine. You were going to mention that. Yeah, I was. I mean, um, I, I agree with Mike, and I was just going to echo that what you just said, that there was a red card to Portland while they were up 2-0. So giving up a goal is not the worst thing in the world for them in that situation. And, I mean, that's the only time Chicharito scored for them is when they're up a man late in the game. Um, Yeah, not haven't been too impressed. And I know he was – the goal kind of made him look a little better out of that game, but he was not having a major impact in that game at all. And then just all of a sudden scores a goal up a man. Um, Doesn't really save it for me. I don't think – I think he's going to be one of those big busts through this season now give him a full off season with the team and a normal schedule maybe he'll do better next year 
but he's a guy I'm going to stay away from all season this year. Yeah, very concerning. Uh, my summary fancy takeaway for this game is still questions about LA Galaxy that make me want to be wary, but as far as Portland goes, the usual suspect should be on your radar. Let's move on to Chicago versus Seattle, or the a contender for the WTF game of the week, I think, is what we have right here. This, is, this was a huge shocker for me, and I'm sure many others, and that's because the final score of this game was Chicago 2, Seattle 1. So yes, Chicago 1. Goals by Robert Barrick, assisted by uh, Panita, and then goals by Panita, and assisted by Jimenez. Uh, on Seattle's side, goal by Bowana, assisted by Morris and Ariega, because that second assist is still a thing. Shots 10 to 7 in favor of Chicago, crosses 17 to 25 in favor of Seattle, uh, possession also vastly in favor of Seattle, 39 for Chicago, 61% for Seattle. These are rounded numbers. Key players, of course, we're looking at the goal scorer, Barrick. Um, Frankowski had some good numbers. Um, Sekulik had some good defensive numbers, really, for Chicago. So that's that's potentially someone you might you might look at. Uh, can load up the quick stats right here. He's only a five million defender, so potentially, if if this is some good signs for Chicago, has some budget right there. On Seattle's side, so hard to to pull from this this game because it was not what we expected. But all of the defenders for Seattle put up some. Some great numbers right there. Um, I mean, you have you have Gomez, you have Tolo, you have you have Lairdum. Uh They all put up great numbers. Watch their pricing though, because uh, Tolo is is 4.0, and if that's going to be some representation of what his numbers could be, could be good fantasy value. But some of the the defenders for Seattle can be expensive. Uh, guys, were you as shocked by this game as I was? Yeah, definitely. Uh, this was one of the games. That was like I don't know if any of the big big MLS teams are taking this seriously. Because by this mm -hmm. point, LAFC hadn't won. Um, Seattle hadn't won. Um, New York City hadn't won. Uh, and, and all of that. Atlanta hadn't won. Um, so it was like, man, are we just going to see all these big teams uh, bow out? Now, since then, we've gotten some results that changed that. But that, that was kind of the big takeaway for me coming out. I was like, I wonder if all these big teams just didn't take this tournament seriously. Yeah, this one wasn't as surprising, but I remember saying last Monday that I thought Seattle looked really, really bad and really flat, and that they were they could possibly be in for some trouble if they don't put it together, and they really didn't put it together that game. Um, we'll talk about the other one later, but mm -hmm. when Christian Roldan is arguably your best player on the field, and you've got Jordan Morris, who did kind of change the game a little bit, um, Rui Diaz and Ladero out there like you expect those guys to really be carrying the load and they didn't um, Rui Diaz has been was almost non-existent through this game and while Seattle had possession they didn't seem to be doing anything with it they couldn't break down Chicago's defense and they were getting torched on the counter and this is not something that we're accustomed to seeing from Seattle teams um, in this game where we play looking for clean sheets um if seattle's going to play this way it's going to be hard to go clean sheet hunting with this team now their their defenders might get the bonus points to make them viable in certain matchups or where they get the edge because you can clean sheet hunt a little bit but 
against any type of speed, this team is just getting is getting beat out of the back, or, and it just didn't look good at all. I, I was sh- I, I was honestly a little shocked with just how bad they played. I figured Chicago might give them some fits. I mean, Chicago is playing their first game. I mean, they come in a little fresher. This is condensed schedule and everything, so maybe fatigue's a little bit of a factor. But I I didn't expect it to be quite that bad. That's a great point about the the bonus points with the defenders. They they don't mean a lot if you don't have some of those those clean sheets to support them, of course. And if if you're not going to get a lot of them, so that was a poor way to say that. If if they're going to give up a lot of goals, the negatives are going to outbalance those positive bonus points you're going to get. I mean, some of these players, and uh, this is just overall, not just this game, some of these players have been racking up six clearances, five blocks, four interceptions. So, I mean, there have been some opportunities for defensive players to get massive bonus point hauls. And and that's that's promising, I think. Um, to keep So definitely keep an eye on some of these defensive stats at, at MLS. Who scored is actually probably the better place to find these defensive numbers uh, because there could be some potential... Uh, great picks like like Tolo could be a great defensive option with Seattle if they can get a clean sheet and if he does start. So when they play Cincinnati, that would be when you want him. Something like that. Uh, yeah, so my my short fantasy summary here is Chicago. Uh, what is I was overly harsh on Chicago at the start of the season, and apparently Seattle hasn't realized that it is the last half of the season yet. Also, Pineda uh, for Chicago, who got the goal and, and assist, is only a 6.5. Uh, midfielder so good budget option uh, when we come back all right so next we have new york city fc versus orlando mike i'll run through some of the numbers but i'll let you do the bulk of the talking (laughs) for here (laughs) so final score one to three in orlando's favor what uh chris mueller did did fantastic here got a brace one assisted by uh, motinho one assisted by dwyer and ron he had some some great action in the first game as well so definitely player to keep an eye on uh tesho akindele got a goal and then uh, jesus medina got a goal assisted by a bear this was the game without morales right mike yeah so even without him though new york was putting up massive numbers 26 shots to 12 shots 29 crosses to 11 crosses and then they had 52 percent possession to 48 for orlando because math so it was not from lack of of trying and and having chances with the ball uh just i'll let you say talk about mike what what failed um have at it um i mean they tried to put james sand as a center back and james sand is a really good player he's a really good um, he's probably going to be going to Europe in a season or two, but he's a really good midfielder. He's not in center back. And in the first 10 minutes, New York City had no clue what they were doing defensively. I don't know if Delia just didn't instruct the players or if everyone was just confused. I mean, Mueller was wide open both times. And on the second goal, Dom Dwyer was wide open, and then Chris Mueller was wide open. And how you have two strikers wide open when there's four defensive players in the area i don't know but somehow new york city made it work they were terrible the first 10 minutes um they've limped to the hydration break then they changed the formation and that kind of fixed it but obviously it wasn't nearly enough without morales to generate real quality chances mm-hmm. when medina is the guy who scores it's not a good day for new york city <laughs> um i mean you know the the fantasy takeaways here is 
you know, I've been kind of holding off on downgrading New York City, but I think certainly defensively you have to do it. Um, they just don't look together. Delia's system is not nearly as good as um, Dome's. It just hasn't all been working. Then you add on it, not having Max Morales, the chances just generated aren't good. Even in the game today that New York City won, it wasn't as crisp as you would have expected for a team of New York City's caliber coming off the season. So, um, yeah, it looks like New York City's at you know lowering itself to a mid-tier team, not top top elite. So it's a bummer, but it is what it is. And if if, if Maxi's not there, I, I wouldn't pick up anyone offensively. For sure. For me, the standout for New York City FC from the fantasy-wise is still Tinnerholm. Um, several of the defenders had good numbers. Uh, Callen, Cheneau had good numbers right there, but those guys can be kind of expensive. Cheneau's only 5.3, so not as bad, but but Tinnerholm, um, he is currently 5.2 in the fantasy game. He usually excels at getting crosses and passes, which were the impressive numbers that he had this time, so he is a great defender that has a chance at being involved in the scoring. So if you're going to take a flyer with uh, New York City FC and you're not going with their offense, he's a great hybrid player, in my opinion. That That's not hard on the budget. Uh, Blaine, I'll let you talk a little bit about Orlando before we wrap it up. Yeah, I had one stat for you for New York before we jump over. Sure. I mean, we saw a ton of shots here, but only six of their shots came from inside the penalty spot or from closer than the penalty spot. 20 of their 26 shots were from 15, 16 yards out or more, and there's a, a 10 or so shots out, well outside the box. I mean, when you're shooting like that, you're just not high percentage chances. You can rack up some bonus points, but those are just not the shots you want to be taking. Shows me a lack of creativity in the final third right now, and maybe that's missing Maxi. that's the real problem. Um, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know what to say about Orlando. I mean, when you go up two goals that quick, it, it changes the way you have to play. Um, you can play a little more defensive. You've got that breathing room. Um, they they didn't do as much after the two goals, but those two goals were just they capitalized on a weak defense. And that's what you can do when you have players like they have. They've got a pretty solid squad. I mean, we always thought they underperformed given who they had. Um Chris Mueller looks really good right now, uh, yep. just where he needs to be, when he needs to be there, and making things happen. Uh, that's a guy you can count on in fantasy. I don't know what his price is right off the top of my head. 6.9. 6.9. I mean, yeah, for 6.9, if he's going to be Johnny on the spot, I mean, we saw that last season with uh, Chris Wondolowski. Came in, got a starting role for a short period of time, and just lit it up. I think he was averaging a goal a game for us at that point sometimes more I like it was just yeah for for that price Chris Mueller definitely a guy to keep an eye on yeah he had of course he played two games before and uh in his his last MLS game he scored one goal after coming on for 11 minutes for Orlando he did well against Miami then he got those two goals got that brace in this game so uh, Mueller definitely want to keep an eye on Nani as well had a had some had a good game uh, against Miami and he got a goal this week so it's another good one there uh, on the defensive side again some good numbers for these guys even giving up a goal uh, Ruan Urso Carlos those are all guys who put up numbers that that I thought were uh, impressive uh, or at least uh, worthy of keeping an eye on and as far as uh, defenders go 
for Orlando with their price. They they can be a bit expensive. Ruan 6.4 uh, probably is one of the standouts. So for a team that's kind of a little bit iffy still. I mean, this is this is some of the light we're seeing with Orlando. Uh, a tad expensive there in the back, but uh, they have some, some great options. I think so, Mueller is clearly the, the best one. So, yeah, Orlando's a team I think last year we kind of talked about on defense a little bit, but you see it with this game, 26 shots against them. That's hard to get too excited about a defense that's giving those up. I know I said they were low percentage shots on a lot of them, but um, Galise, their goalkeeper, looks pretty good so far. Um, if he's the real deal, I mean, allowed one goal, six saves over 90 minutes in this game. Um, if if he's the real deal and can solidify this defense, this could be one of those under-the-radar defensive picks for fantasy going through the season on those good-to-great good to matchups. I mean, there's always going to be those really good ones where you want to just take the team. But on some of those other matchups, this is going to be one of those defenses that could fly under the radar, and you might be able to find some really good differential picks here. Hmm. Or get a good goalkeeper, Keeperu, here, just because they're East Coast, they play that early game, and he looks like he's primed for some good save numbers and the occasional clean sheet here. My uh, fantasy quick comment right here is fade New York City FC, and Dwyer's not your only go-to at Orlando anymore. Actually, probably not your go-to at all. Mm -hmm. uh, now let's move on to Philadelphia versus Miami. Uh, this game... Uh, ended 2-1 for Philadelphia, which which I think a lot of us aren't surprised that uh, Philadelphia was doing well in this tournament. Uh, I'm personally a little surprised that Miami didn't do better. They sort of had promise coming out the gate, and I know we had picked them over Orlando as as moving out of this, this group, or at least I had. Um, and uh, so I'm surprised that they've struggled. But this is, again, uh, we're, we're pointing this out because, Blaine, what was your red card stat before we started the show tonight? Um, not counting games tonight, um, there were 10 red cards after this morning's game so far in the tournament. So Yes, and this was one of them as well. Uh, this was uh, Andre Reyes got a second yellow and was ejected, but this was in the final closing minutes of the game, so not a lot of impact right here. Uh, goals came from Kai Wagner and uh, Shabilko for, for Philadelphia. Shabilko's goal was assisted by Aronson, and then for... Miami uh, goal came from uh, Rodolfo Pizarro, assisted by Pellegrini and Morgan. Uh, the other stats right here that we're covering: shots eight to ten in favor of Miami, crosses six to twenty-two in favor of Miami, possession forty-five to fifty-five in favor of Miami. Uh, this this was just a great win for for Philadelphia, and I think some of the uh, stats show it. Of course, Shibuko is a, a key player right here. Montiero, who we haven't mentioned a whole lot, but he had some great passing and crossing numbers, a big fantasy player last year. And then uh, Bedoya had some great defensive numbers as well. Though with his position, not always the most helpful or lucrative, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more out of the defenders with, with Philly, especially with all of those offensive stats against them uh, for Miami it was it was kind of hard to find guys that really stood out fantasy wise because they are struggling some uh, but Torres had some good some good uh, shot numbers Morgan had some good cross numbers and of course I mean Pizarro got the the goal in Pellegrini with the assist but um, I don't know fantasy wise I'm still I'm still not about Miami what about you all yeah I mean it's hard to pick them up I mean 
three losses, five losses total. It's I tweeted today is like it's not bad. Like they're all like close. I think mm-hmm. they're all one goal losses. Um, but it's hard to really put your pin into anyone. And be like I, I want to go with that guy or this is a great matchup. It just kind of seems like one of those blah teams, which I think makes sense because I mean this was a team that kind of came in like all right we're gonna hopefully find our footing, not lose too badly, and then make a big splash in the summer. And you know the summer isn't really coming for anybody. So, you know, I think going forward fantasy-wise, there's just not going to be much to pick from here other than just, like, a weird differential pick. And you're right about the early season. Uh, didn't have those wins, and, and what I was referencing when I said had some promises. They were close. It, it looked like they had some spark where, where you would think, well, maybe maybe they won't be as bad as Cincinnati was their first year. There there may be some, there, there was there was a kind of a glimmer of maybe I can find something right. with this team and then especially when they weren't on the road. You know, the first right. two games were on the road. You think all right, this is Florida, this is their environment. Um we can see they can, you know, make some trouble. I mean, they were decent, but I mean, they never really came close to winning any of their games. Mm-hmm. Anything to add Blaine? Not really. I mean, Miami just doesn't. Uh, they don't look bad. They just don't look good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my short fantasy summary here is usual suspects at Philly and fade Miami. Uh, moving on to Vancouver versus San Jose. Holy cow! What what a game this was. But let me let me just start by saying that I had to look at the little thumbnail preview for the article that was talking about the, the result for Seattle several times because I still cannot for the life of me get used to this this yellow, white, and and lighter blue, royal blue, I don't know, this, this blue, yellow, and white kit that that San Jose has, I, I it just never jumps out at me as San Jose. And I was like, who is that team? What? <laughs> what? Oh, and so it took me a second. Uh, but anyway, this game was bananas absolutely bananas and i did not watch it but i so wish that i had and uh it it's a score of three to four that should tell you enough right there it was just three to four so many goals coming near the end of the game uh with the game winner by uh by uh uh shea salinas at a 90 plus eight uh shea messi right there as he was being called extra time radio uh, but this game was just nuts. It had uh, goals by Ali Anon. It had a, an own goal by Judson. Uh, we had a, a goal by Rios from San Jose. A goal by uh, Diome with with Vancouver. Goal by Wando. Goal by uh, Oswaldo Alanis. And uh, then of course the winner by Shea Salinas. So just just all over the place here. Um, a great win for San Jose, which we weren't sure how they were going to be coming in, and they've just they've just stayed with it. So so kudos to them. Um, other stats: Vancouver outshot seven to thirty. Vancouver outcrossed six to thirty-seven. Crazy numbers there. And then possession: Vancouver outpossessed thirty-two to sixty-eight percent. That's. I mean, they're challenging Cincinnati for worst team in the league. I think at this point. I mean, they're they're at least putting up goals. So, so there's that. But it's it's just absolutely nuts. Uh, Fantasy wise, Vancouver is clearly still a team to bet against. Uh, when you when you see these numbers here, um, again, hard to pull players from from Vancouver that you would look at fantasy wise. Um, Ali Adnan 
probably the only one a couple of players had good defensive numbers but when you have when you give up four goals that doesn't mean a hill of beans right there but uh, Ali Adnan does PKs at times and uh, is an offensive threat if you want to go that way um, big takeaway for me for San Jose is is Erickson he's a player we mentioned last week again this week he's just putting up some massive numbers as far as crosses and key passes um last year i remember it was a lot for me and i always seem to choose wrong vaco or erickson vaco or erickson this year maybe i'll be on the right side of that because i may just always pick erickson because i i think he's just had some great numbers right there uh, he has a good offensive position so he can be a goal threat he does often have have shots as well and he's only 8.6 so that's that's a really reasonable price for a, a midfielder who is frequently putting up the kinds of numbers that you want to see to give you shots at bonus points and assists and goals. Uh, did you guys get to watch this game? No, I mean, it was like 2 nothing Vancouver. Like, all right, well, that one's done. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, 3-1 Vancouver. Like, okay, well, you know, Vancouver can hold on and just play their, you know, ugly defensive style. I don't need to see that. That's not going to be something that's, you know, San Jose is not going to be able to do that with the way they play and somehow Vancouver bottled it. Um, you know, you know, it's not like it was, it was spoiler alert. Vancouver's defensive problems didn't get any better in the second. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's certainly like whoever is playing Vancouver, pick their offensive players. <laughs> sure. <laughs> playing anything else after that. I got, to, I got to watch part of this one and it was nuts. Um, I saw Wondolowski's header, and I, rem- I the commentators were hilarious. How do you let a guy who scored 160 goals in MLS be that wide open inside the box? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, it was just craziness like that. Um, one thing I will say, um, I'll defend Vancouver a little bit. Um, three goals here against San Jose, good, bad. The fact that they went up, they're missing so many players right now. It was a highlight on the broadcast this morning. Um, Lucas Cavallini didn't travel for family reasons. Andy Rose is not traveling for, I think he had a death in the family. Um, uh, Godoy is not there. He was one of their standout center backs last year. A guy I actually used in my draft league a lot. I think I started him every game there for about a two month period just because he was putting up good numbers for me. They're missing a ton of players and a ton of guys that would be starting on this team. I think it's six or seven players that couldn't travel with them. So it gives me hope. Oh, so St. Ricketts is another one. Uh, if you look at offensive creativity and their lack thereof at times, um, speedy winger that can come in and really do some damage, especially with uh, Cavallini up front. So I don't think we're getting to see what um, Vancouver is capable of at this time. I want to see what they can do with their full complement of players and get some of these big transfers that they got out back out on the field and get Godoy back in there for their defensive side. I I think you'll find they're a li- uh, they're a better team than what this tournament's giving them credit for, or than the way they look right now, just because of all the play- all the big name players that they are missing. You know what, Blaine? That is the best defense for Vancouver that I've seen in two weeks. All right, uh, quick wrap up for for this game, uh, Vancouver hard no. And uh, San Jose definitely has some value fantasy options to keep an eye on, especially at midfield. Moving on to Atlanta versus my FC Cincinnati. Uh, another 
huge shocker. Uh, this on on multiple reasons. Not only because the final score ended up being Atlanta zero, FC Cincinnati one, putting FC Cincinnati second overall in group in their group. Uh, e I don't know. Um, putting him second overall, but also because Red Car showed up twice in this game. Absolutely ridiculous. In the twenty sixth minute, uh, Jake Mulraney got his second yellow card and was sent off the field and then in uh 90 plus 10 jj williams got a straight red card for violent contact right there um not for lack of trying this game was all kinds of cards let's see here two four six eight nine nine cards throughout this game uh split f- mostly towards atlanta and then and then uh, six six to three atlanta cincinnati uh just just absolutely ridiculous uh, looking at the stats, shots, 12 for Cincinnati, 8 for Atlanta. Crosses, 12 for Cincinnati, 20 for Atlanta. And then uh, possession was 47% Atlanta, 53% Cincinnati, which you have to give a lot of credit of that to being up on uh, 10, 9 men for, for various points of the game. Uh, still, though, for me, disappointing game. FC Cincinnati played five men in the back at the beginning went up a man and continued to play five men in the back there were actually times where they had 11 men behind the ball um so it was it was just kind of disappointing for me i would i was hoping that they could have tried to push the advantage a bit more um but as has been pointed out and i will agree with this that um yapstam is still experimenting more so than probably most coaches are with learning this team so there is merit to having a team continue to play in the formation they were told and and just to get out of there but still i just can't help but i mean couldn't you have switched a little bit to be a little bit more aggressive and uh, did get a goal though uh, the goal came from frankie amaya and um not many key players here that i'm going to point out i mean barco got some shots Lennon and pity got some some passing numbers uh, for Cincinnati, DePlane had some great defensive numbers, uh, and that's consistent with last year as well as one of the more consistent defenders that Cincinnati had. DePlane, if you're even considering that, but with as many goals Cincinnati gives up, it's not that big of a deal. Um, but Madunyanin also did really well. We know his pedigree from Philadelphia. He's now with Cincinnati, and he had some great defensive numbers as well, but as a, as a D-mid, not always the highest-scoring fantasy player, so... I don't kind of a meh game. Uh, I'll let you go first this time, Blaine. What do you have? Yeah, Atlanta needs a forward badly. Oh yes. And that's and I mean, red card comes in. Adam John was only out there for thirty-four minutes. He's kind of their starting forward right now. Um, zero shots in that time. I just you're playing Cincinnati. I know they're putting five behind the ball at all times, but. You expect a guy as big as Adam John to get at least one shot off of a cross or something with the team that's around him, and they're just not doing it. Um, not a lot of creativity, and it's hard to judge when the red cards are there, when the red card comes early. But just I'm not seeing any life from Atlanta. I almost expect them to lose their next game, just the way they're playing right now. And yeah, um, Cincinnati's defense. I mean. Maybe playing against 10 men helped a lot, but the defense didn't look as bad. I mean, just 
started the game pretty okay. This is one of those where I was working and had the game on my third monitor here at the house, and so I could <laughs> I could kind of watch a little bit of it here and there and listen to the commentary. I mean, probably one of the best performances. Uh, forget the win, just one of the better performances by Cincinnati I've seen in a while. I ground it out. <laughs> I mean, last week we talked about that we were concerned about Atlanta breaking down a bunker because that's what they were going to be facing a lot. And this game kind of proved that they can't, uh, at least without Jose Martinez. Um, So, yeah, I think definitely downgrades on Atlanta all around. Uh, I'm just amazed that FC Cincinnati beat Atlanta before Orlando did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there we go. Uh, quick fancy takeaway from Atlanta, Cincinnati. Uh, there, there's nothing. There's nothing about this game that makes these teams uh, attractive for me, fantasy wise. Atlanta without Joseph is is a completely different team and one that struggles to score. So um, save your money. That's maybe that's the takeaway for for Atlanta. Save your money in FC Cincinnati. We just don't know enough to make them fantasy viable because things are so different and, and crazy. Montreal versus Toronto. Another fantastic game. Final score with this game ends up being 3-4 in favor of Toronto. Uh, we've got goals from uh, Larea assisted by Pozuelo. they got a, a hat trick by Akinola uh, with Pozuelo grabbing two more assists. Piotti getting assist. That's Piotti from Toronto getting an assist. <laughs> Uh, De Leon Westbrook getting assists right there. Uh, we also, on the other side, have uh, Kyoto getting a goal and and then Tider getting two PKs, which, I don't know, not quite as good as getting those open field goals, but uh, that, that got him to that 3-4 that number. Uh, still, Toronto outshot 12-8. to eight. Toronto outcrossed 22-6. to six, And Toronto outpossessed 59-41. to 41. So not, not a lot of people that uh, I'll target with with uh, Montreal as as a key players fantasy wise I think it's your usual suspects Tidare again is someone to keep an eye on and maybe surprisingly Yerudi is one to keep an eye on not on the the goals list this time but his crossing numbers are very promising for a forward to have access to those key bonus points right there uh, and then Toronto of course usual suspect Pozuelo fantastic to see him getting points but the big name Akinola and I think Blaine was it you who brought up the key question for Akinola? Yes. Yeah. Um, given what we've seen so far this tournament, um, outside of the tournament, when Josie is healthy, if you're Toronto, can you go back to Josie as your starter? Or do you have to stick with the hot foot in Akinola, who seems to be getting good service and really meshing well with the core that's behind him? Um, Piatti looks really good. Pazuelo doing Pozuelo things like he always does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, just this team seems to be flowing really well right now. Do you take Akinola out of this and go back to Josie, who you're paying all that money to, or do you consider sticking with the kid and seeing what happens? Do you stick with the kid, Mike? I mean, I would, I mean, at least, you know, certainly long-term, I think TFC's got to look at this and, like, this is a young talent that we've developed. He's going to be profitable. Josie, we know how good Josie is, but he's injury-prone. So if we can just have him on the bench and in relief, that's probably better for Josie 
and we can get to learn more from Akinola. Um, and yeah, that, that way they developed two strikers. Um, probably the more heartbreaking thing for me is that this probably means Patrick Mullen is the man out. <laughs> it's going to get to that. <laughs> Salute to, to, to Patty Mullins, but it's okay. We've already mentioned a few teams that like need a striker in, in this uh, in this <laughs> podcast. So hopefully he'll find a, a good home. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would stick with him. Um, I was actually trying to look up when Josie's uh, deal uh, ends. Um feel like it's kind of coming to an end anyway so I, I i think it's probably a pretty easy decision for toronto well mike's looking up that uh, price wise with fantasy this would be a great opportunity for fantasy managers josie's 8.9 which is very affordable for a forward that uh, of his caliber but uh, akinola is 5.0 that is a steal especially if he comes in and is a starter and has already built this connection with Pozuelo, uh, that's just going to be be fantastic for him because Toronto uh, still looks still looks good, still looks like they could contend for MLS Cup, and uh, this is exactly the kind of post preseason pre pre new season I don't know whatever we're calling this the MLS is back scouting that we want to to see right here. This is this is the bread and butter uh, for for um, sorry Montreal. It's it's a pass still for me fantasy wise. Um, Tight air is is always sort of uh, that guy is is one I would go to, but not a lot of promise with with Montreal. These games are always crazy too. I mean, you're going to say Reed, yeah. it's it's three goals, and I'm like, well, it's two PKs, but somehow Montreal can just be horrible or just not great or average, and then Montreal versus Toronto is a bananas game. So that's just the way they always work. It's just it's just it's because MLS. And and I looked it up. Josie's actually signed through 2020, so maybe more of a commitment, but. I wouldn't be surprised if MLS introduced some, you know, you get to pay out amnesty clauses to allow teams to um, reduce their budgets in line with, you know, the new income that's going to happen after the pandemic. So if you're Toronto, you may be looking at Josie's contract as one of those to cut, especially since, I mean, this past off season, Josie was flirting pretty heavily with Mexico teams. So, you know, maybe they can help make that happen, maybe get a sale and get them off the books. All right, moving on, next game. Oh, oh that was going to be my comment was, Josie's on through 2022. Um, if Akinola does finish this season strong, I could see Toronto letting him go. Um, another MLS team would probably gladly take him, um, get that, uh, especially an expansion squad that's coming up, um, get that contract, get a big name to sell seats. Um, that works. Uh, Reed, I did have one thing on Montreal. Um, mm-hmm. Arudi seems to be playing more out wide and not in that um, yeah. uh, center forward role, and that seems to really be helping him a lot. Mm-hmm. And Kyoto has really taken a lot of the attention off of Arudi. I know last year when we were watching Arudi play, he was usually the center forward, and just he was getting sandwiched by two defenders, and he is not the bigger, the biggest guy. And he doesn't handle that physical play quite as well, but allowing him to play out wide seems to be bringing a lot of life to him. And, I mean, he and Kyoto were lined up as a two-forward set this time. And he seemed to be moving a little better. He seemed to be getting less of the attention, which really helped open him up and makes him a lot more dynamic player. He's one that I'm going to keep an eye on. Kyoto seems to be getting a little bit better stats right now. And so Arudi may may not be viable, but he's also taking 
corner kicks right now for this team as well. So Arudi's one of those we just have to keep an eye on and see where he goes and if a little bit less attention on him is going to really propel him up in standings. So next game we have is Columbus versus the New York Red Bulls. Uh, the first actual test for Columbus. Their first game was against FC Cincinnati, which was a cakewalk for them. Final score, 2-0 in favor of Columbus. Goals by Jossie Zardes. A great goal by Jossie Zardes. Uh, assisted by Santos and Caden. And then uh, also a goal by Luke, Lucas Zellerian, assisted by Etienne. Uh, stats, shots. Columbus outshot New York 11-7. Crosses. New York outcrossed Columbus 14-27. to In the possession, fairly even, 52-48 in favor of Columbus. Uh, Fantasy-wise, I mean, this is exactly the kind of game you want to see from Columbus. Better opponent. Uh, New York didn't play poorly. It just didn't didn't fall for them. And uh, Columbus did a little bit of rotation, but Pedro Santos was back, which I think was good to see how he will integrate with the team. Uh, we still saw production from Zellerigan. We still saw production from Zardes. Santos is right there back on, on the sheet. So... Um, three key players right there that you're going to want to be flooding to instantly with fantasy. So a great offensive pickup right there. A few decent defensive options as well, but there was some rotation on defense. So uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, Porter does have some options of people he can bring in there, uh, including Caden uh, and Burholter got the start this time. So he's he's got some options right there. On New York's side, didn't fall for them. I mean, it's it was a tough game for New York. Definitely, uh, Royer is still one to look at. Uh, he had some great shots, numbers. Uh, Rezatowski got some cross numbers, but um, this this game was your fantasy takeaway from this game is is all Columbus, and it's just that seal of approval of yes, I want these guys. Blaine, this is your time to shine. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say Zardes is the best player on the team, but Lucas Elorion has come on so strong. Um, these two, I mean, your Zardes Zellerion punch is as good or better than Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo were for New England last year. Like, if these guys have a good matchup, you're taking both of them, no questions asked. Um, the service for Zardes is coming in like crazy right now. This is better than it was with Iguain playing. Um, just so many good things here. Uh, the big fantasy takeaway here, though, especially as we stick with this five subs rule through this season, mm. um, this is arguably the deepest team in MLS right now um, from what we've seen in this tournament. They are playing so well, and they have got too many options here that we're, you could see a lot of rotation any given week. I, I mean, Luis Diaz is a fantastic player, but he could easily sit for an entire game in favor of a couple of the younger guys. Um, I think Diaz and Santos are your two starters here, but there's so, just so many good options right now that these guys can do it. And this this was a, a heavily rotated team that pretty much dominated. And Red Bulls rotated a little bit. I would say they rotated less than Columbus, but Columbus still managed to dominate this game with a heavier rotation. Yeah, there was, uh, both teams had two players that subbed out before the 60-minute mark. Um, it It's very good information that we're seeing, uh, but with the weather, that's a huge factor for these teams, and so I don't know if some of this rotation will be exactly uh, a, a template for what we might see in the future in different back-of-their-home climates, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on because you're right, Blaine. 
we're seeing it, and it it will be an impact in fantasy. Anything to add, Mike? Um, not really. I mean, other than Columbus looks like the best team in MLS this tournament, so we'll we'll see if they can, can keep that up. But um, definitely a team to watch going uh, into the regular season. Okay, moving on to DC United versus New England, uh, a draw. One one is the final score with uh, goals from uh, Busca and Higuain. Kind of surprising uh, to see to see uh, Busca as as the the scoring goal for for uh, New England. Uh, but uh, New England outshot DC eighteen to six, outcrossed DC fourteen to twenty one, and then fairly even possession forty nine fifty one. That's as even as they can get in favor of new england right here uh it's okay game the the best things to talk about from here are that uh Bo killed it as far as stats goes i mean he was getting shot stats he was getting key pass shots stats he was getting cross stats so Bo is is definitely one of those top fantasy forwards that you're gonna want to keep an eye on every week because he is a goal threat and he gets those i'm not even gonna call them bread and butter stats because these these are the extra stats this this is that this is the jelly that goes on top of your buttered bread that you get because you you hope your forwards can get these stats and they usually do not. Uh, of course, uh, Carlos Heel also had some good numbers and Vi Vi had some good numbers as well from here. But um, on DC side, Higuain is is a, is doing fantastic with DC with hope he's going to be a starter but he can easily be that super sub he did well last week as well getting the goal uh, and then Gressel is still killing it as far as crosses go which is exactly what you want to see so um I'm still a little shaky fantasy wise a little shaky on on DC just to see how successful can they be but uh the players for New England that we liked last year are still players you should be looking for this year Mike what did you think of this game um, I think it's really interesting that Frederico Higuain has come off the bench twice and scored twice. He's six million um, in fantasy. Obviously, if he's not starting uh, as a midfielder spot, you kind of have a hesitancy to play him. But maybe if DC has a good matchup, maybe he can kind of come have him in a switcheroo. Um, it's been a really interesting tournament. DC is one of the few teams that's grinding out draws. Most of the other games are win, 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 win. We're about to get to a few more draws. But this has been a win-heavy tournament. Um, there haven't been a whole lot of draws, but DC United has gotten two of them. Um, it's, it's, I think it's been better than we than I thought uh, going in, but it's still not impressive. There's still definitely... I mean, basically, DC United is relying on Frederico Higuain to come off the bench since he's not as... doesn't have as much of a burden on him. He's been able to do a little bit more with that, but I don't think that's a consistent reliable source of goals going forward so I, I still think they're um in a little bit of trouble and they need something else in order to really contend but um you can't complain with with two draws against the two top teams they're in a pretty decent position all they have to do is beat montreal and they'll definitely be in um and even a draw against montreal and they can probably sneak into the next round blaine how'd you think of this yeah, this was. Uh, I didn't get to watch this one. There were two games at the same time, and I didn't get. I didn't. I chose not to watch this one for obvious reasons. Which ones did you watch? Oh, um, the craziest game. Must have been RSL in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Um, if um, New England can ever get their shots to fall, their shots to go in, like this is a 
potentially dominant team in MLS. Um, Heel and Bo are just outstanding and working so well together. Uh, and the rest of the cast around them is good enough to help them get wins regularly, mm -hmm. not let the rest of the guys down. Uh, they're just, they're not putting them in. And I mean, Iguain is a guy I'm going to be keeping an eye on when regular season comes back. I want to see if he's going to start. I want to see if he's going to be a super sub. But with the way the game is set up this year and with not having price rises for this long going into the season, Iguain is only $6 million. Mm -hmm. uh, He is definitely a viable bench option, uh, especially as you start worrying about rotation or whatever else. Like, If he's going to do this off the bench for you, um, it's worth $6 million is is worth taking away a little bit from your team to put him on the bench and see if he can do this. Because if this becomes a regular thing and he's got the super sub tag, um, always going to be uh, fantasy viable as a potential bench option. And again, East Coast usually plays earlier on those home games. May get to see a little bit uh, more of his score early on and see what you can do with that. So now let's talk about the game that you likely watched, Blaine. Uh, let's talk about uh, Sporty Kansas City versus Colorado. This this was an interesting game. 3-2, uh, Sporting Kansas City. Two red cards. But Sporting Kansas City had to pull a reverse Sporting Kansas City to get a win in the final closing minutes of the game, being up two men. Blaine, this is crazy. Uh, so quick stats. Goals by uh, Kellen Acosta and Jonathan Lewis for Colorado's side on uh, Sporting Kansas City side. Uh, Kyrie Shelton. And we had a PK by Polito, and then Graham Zusi is the savior at the end of this game. Uh, Sporting Kansas City outshot Colorado 19 to eight, outcrossed Colorado 26 to seven, and outpossessed Colorado 60 to 40. Blaine, tell us about this game and who your key players are. Um, this was the Dave Gantar show. Um, this game was a cluster, for lack of a better term. Um, Colorado should have had a third red card for a strike to the face. Uh, Benize sized up Zussi and just swung at his face. Um, and they didn't go to VAR for that one. Uh, that may be where the penalty kick call came from. That seemed like a pretty obvious makeup call. Um, the other the other ones were just whatever. Uh, this was a, a crazy game. Colorado looks pretty good and Sporting's defense doesn't look that good. Um, they they were keeping the pressure on Kansas City most of the game. Um, Shelton did get the goal. That was nice. The the PK was bogus. I don't know how you can go to VAR and call that a PK. Um, they said Rubio got his hand to the ball, and I couldn't see where, whether the ball even came off of him. Um, I guess with the path of the ball, if you say it came off of him, it had to come off his outstretched arm. I'm guessing that's what Gantar said, but it was just ridiculous. Um, Zussi's was a deflected cross that came in. Like this was just honestly, this was an exciting, entertaining game. Seemed pretty evenly matched. Um, Sporting missed two goals. Two goals. In I the just, first half. No, I have to sorry. I just like the idea of it seeing pretty evenly matched when it's when it's Sporting against City up two men. So okay, keep going. No, no, no. Well, but they were only up two men for twenty, well, thirty minutes with stoppage time. Yeah, yeah. No, just. But, but before that, like it was back and forth. There was a lot going on. Um, Sporting could have had two goals. They were cleared off the goal line. It just There was just some craziness throughout this game. The 
the first red card was legit. I don't know what Jack Price had to say to get himself a straight red card uh, from the ref Can't there. Know. Or I mean, it might have been a yellow, yellow, red, but they just score sheeted as a straight red because... It's, it's listed as foul and abusive language, and so, yeah, I wasn't quite sure about that either. I, we, the broadcasters don't even know what happened. All of a sudden, the red card was out, and he was walking off the field. And, yeah, nobody... Nobody knew. I mean, this this game was just bad. Beer jealousy. That's all it was at the end. Beer jealousy. Um, yeah, absolutely a mess. Um, Shelton looks to be the starter on that side, on the right side. Um, I think he's got it locked down. Pulido still looks good. Kinda had a bad game this time around. Um, this was the first bad game he's had for sporting. But I was more impressed with the way uh, Colorado played. I thought they were going to run us off the field in the first half just with the way things were going. So major props to Colorado. I think they're a lot stronger than we've thought in the past. On Colorado's side, uh, sort of disappointing to see Price get the red card because he's been a, a good source of fantasy points right there, so keep an eye on him. But uh, Kellen Acosta, it's, it's good to see him back on the score sheet. He uh, had some down years, and so it's good to see him healthy and back. And keep an eye on Acosta because if he can end up being the player they wanted him to be a few years ago, uh, he could be a real creator for Colorado and that could transition into some good fantasy value because he is only 5.4 which is dirt cheap if he's going to start doing some of this stuff uh, Jack Price by comparison is 10.5 so bananas anything you want to add Mike um, other than Kyrie Shelton looks like a pretty good fantasy option going forward um you know, he's got two goals now over the two games, so definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, next game is RSL versus Minnesota, which is just a snooze fest. 0-0 zero, zero snooze fest right here. Uh, each team had 10 shots. RSL outcrossed Minnesota 18-12. to 12. Uh, Possession 56-44 to 44 in favor of RSL. Basically the same. N no story here. This, this was a snooze fest. No great fantasy insights. Minnesota missing some players. RSL... Just not doing much. Good defensive numbers, but I mean, it's a it was a zero zero draw, so I guess that's really all that was happening um, on on all sides. So the defenders got some good numbers, but I'm not even going to waste your guys' time of of having to talk about this game because literally nothing happened. So I mentioned one thing: Rusnak came off with a hip injury, so that that was part of the issue for RSL. But yeah. fair. That's no, that's that is fair i haven't been looking at a lot of the injuries since there's going to be downtime before the season starts so a lot of that hasn't yeah. been part of our focus but leave it to mike injury news right here <laughs> no red cards though so good thing good thing right there now moving on to portland versus houston final score right here is 2-1 red card here for at least two yellow cards right there late in the game but uh, that is uh, another red card incident that we're trying to track right now uh goals by Ibobasi, assisted by blanco goal by valeri assisted by williamson and mabiala and then ellie's had a pk that he got a goal right there otherwise houston outshot portland 24 to 13 outcross portland 22 to 8 uh, but portland outpossessed houston 53 to 47 uh for me fantasy wise usual suspects again this just reinforces that I mean, blanco valeri are getting it done mabiala is doing some good things on defense uh elise uh quintero uh lungfist doing doing good things back there as well for for houston so i thought this was just a game that just restated these are the fantasy players you want to look at uh when you're looking at at these teams more if you're looking at for houston uh, but what about you guys mike 
Um, I think Abobasi. Um, two goals over two games. I think he's kind of solidified himself mm-hmm. in, oh, yeah. into the starting role. Um, he seems to be making more of it. Uh, people have been kind of paying attention from the U.S. soccer side, and so obviously when that's happening, it's going to be good. Uh, for fantasy points, I, I think he's pretty pretty decently priced. I should have looked that up before I started talking. But, um, you know, because last year he wasn't really – we weren't really sure. Yeah, he's 5.9 as a forward. So definitely a great value. And if he's got the starting spot and is getting good service from Blanco and Verbalary, uh, he's going to be a really good option. We didn't see as much from uh, Mimo this game. I know, Blaine, we've talked about him a lot in the past. Yeah, he looked good, just didn't didn't get as much done around the box this time. I think that's a little bit of a credit to Portland's defense. Um, they seem to be playing back to what we kind of knew from 2018. 2019 was one of those really down years for their defense. Don't know if that's Steve Clark helping out back there or just getting their guys back and healthy that maybe don't make a big difference. Um, but no, Memo didn't look bad. Um, Quintero seems to really help this team. There's, I think we're going to see a lot less rotation from their front line here. Minotas, Memo, Quintero, those are going to be kind of your three guys going forward that they're going to stick with long term. And and that's fine. Uh, that's probably better for us as fantasy managers that we'll, we'll kind of know where they're going. Uh, and overall, I think this team is going to be built to score some goals. I just think um, a pretty solid middle-of-the-pack MLS team in, in Houston ran into what we've come to expect to be one of the contenders in the West for third or fourth place pretty consistently, maybe – I don't know that anybody can knock off LAFC for number one. I think Portland with the right schedule could definitely finish number two. I just think it's a good team ran into a better team and it showed. Speaking of a good team running to a better team, uh, actually good is, is too kind. LAFC, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. LAFC versus LA Galaxy. El Trafico, El Disappointo, more likely. Uh, this, this was ridiculous. Maybe more like L one-way traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's that's what it should have been. Uh, the the big question that comes out to me is 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 LAFC more dangerous without Vela? That's a ridiculous thing to say. Maybe they're still just as dangerous without him. They don't necessarily need him. Uh, that's the big fancy takeaway. Is LAFC is doing amazing. They are putting out fantastic goals. Rossi is doing great. Bradley Wright Phillips is doing great with LAFC, but they don't have Vela and when Vela comes back things are going to be different so in some ways as there's preseason scouting for a lot of teams LAFC is not necessarily the best because it's going to change some these players will be still working around him Rossi will still be there uh, but Bradley Wright Phillips will probably not be out there and I'll have to see how some of that changes but this game essentially LA Galaxy only scored one goal and that was from uh, Pavone off a PK the other goal came from an own goal by Blessing so they had to go for that. Otherwise, uh, Diego Rossi got four goals, including one of them being a PK. Bradley Wright Phillips got a goal. Mohamed El Munir got a goal. Um, it it was just Rossi also had had an assist. Blessing had an assist. It it was just just a slaughter during this game. So stats wise, LAFC outshot LA Galaxy nineteen to eight. LA Galaxy outcrossed LAFC nineteen to six. Uh, and then the possession was in LAFC's favor, 58 to 42. Um, 
key players. Again, everyone I just missed mentioned, Rossi was one to stand out. Uh, Bradley Wright Phillips was one to stand out. Blessing was one that was a standout. Uh, but when the fantasy season starts, a lot of that's going to be replaced with Villa. But Rossi is clearly still your number two, I think, go-to for LAFC. And if you want to double up on forwards, going Villa and Rossi is not a bad thing. What do you guys think about this game? I mean, to me, it's the continuing thing of, of the Galaxy's defense just being horrendous. Um, I'm not really ready to write off to, to write the LAFC doesn't need Vela to be great because they played two of the worst defenses in the league. Fair, no, very fair. Yeah. So we'll we'll get a better idea of what they yeah. can do without Vela against Portland. Which I mean, I don't know sure. how much we need that for fantasy purposes, but it's interesting knowing going for the tournament. Uh, and so forth. I'll be really interested to see what Rossi and BWP can do against Portland. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I I don't see much out of the Galaxy. We talked already about Chicharito, um, not not really being impressive. Uh, I don't know if Pavone has enough help, but I think he's still a viable fantasy option. But that defense is just so bad. Um, it's it's getting to the point where you're going to want to target LA Galaxy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that he said in a long time. Well, that is a thing to say. Uh, anything to add, Blaine? Um, this is... No, it's okay. No, I just... Ugh, train wreck for LA Galaxy. Like, ugh, no, they, their only goal from open play came when they came in their first game when they were up a man. Like, until Jonathan Dos Santos comes in, I think it's a hard pass on anything from LA Galaxy. I don't even know that Pavone's going to do enough work to make it to justify his price point. Uh, he doesn't have anybody to pass to. He doesn't have anybody give it, feeding the ball to him. Just there, it, it, it's bad um, for a team with five MLS Cups under their belt to let the wheels fall off and give up five straight goals from I mean four goals in the second half I mean it just looked like a slaughter and they weren't they weren't even fighting to get possession back it was it was bad um I'm looking forward to see what Houston does to him in that final game because it that'll be the real telling point on how bad the galaxy are is what happens in the last game but according to this one I don't expect anything from them yeah, Houston without Elise versus the LA Galaxy defense. The, <laughs> the, the, the stoppable force versus the movable object on that. <laughs> In which case, they would just pass right through each other. Yeah, if, if you want to know how bad things are going for the LA Galaxy, we have a friend uh, in in our MLS Show League chat who used to be a Galaxy fan and is now becoming an Orlando City fan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next game we're starting to, to wind down final three games is Chicago versus San Jose uh, final score ends up being uh, zero to two in favor of San Jose a bit more of what we kind of expected for Chicago but a great result from San Jose uh, goals from uh, Espinoza and uh, Wondolowski uh, San Jose outshot Chicago eight to eleven Chicago outcrossed San Jose barely 16 to 15 and then possession again the lion share possession was for San Jose uh, 37 to 63 so chicago with with this result there's not really anybody who stood out calvo did okay on defense but no big standouts here with fantasy still so ultimately my takeaway about chicago with fantasy is 
there's more there than I gave them credit for. I will I will own that at the beginning. I still don't think there'll be a team I jump to immediately because there's so many other better options at every position uh, when you're building your teams. And then San Jose, uh, again, Wando was doing well. We mentioned some of these people, but again, Erickson is a name that stands out. He's not always on this goal or assist sheet, but he is putting in those those numbers that I like to see from a midfielder with getting those key passes, crosses, and assists, those sorts of things. Would you guys like to add anything to this game? Uh, I've got my eye on Espinoza for San Jose. I'm mm -hmm. just going to be That's a good one too. Yeah, a um, little bit more expensive than some of their other guys, but I mean, I looked him up. He's above nine million. He's got a six average for the season. Uh, he's been scoring some goals. He's been doing some stuff th in this tournament. Um, you've kind of got a wealth of riches here, depending on who the who's playing or who they're playing and where you want to go. Um, Espinosa might actually overtake Baco for the kind of the premium pickup here in San Jose if things keep going the way they are. Okay, and then our penultimate game here. Seattle versus Vancouver. Well, apparently at this game, someone finally decided to say, hey, Seattle, it's it's the later part of this group stage, and it's also the later part of the season. And Seattle went, oh, oh, that's right. This is when we start to play. And they beat Vancouver 3 to nothing. which if you're going to win a game here, that's the one you should win, I think. Uh, PK goal from Ladero. We had a goal from Morris assisted by Ladero, and then a goal from Rui Diaz assisted by Morris and Bawana. So names that you're expecting to see when you're looking at Seattle for for production seattle outshot vancouver 17 to 8 out didn't outcross vancouver uh, vancouver won that 15 to 16 so similar numbers there and then vancouver actually had uh, the majority of possession 52 to 47 as far as that possession goes but didn't matter as much because uh, vancouver did not produce anything with their uh, with their numbers again here i'm going to point out in addition to the the goal scores and the assists uh, Tolo had some really good defensive numbers and is at a great value. And so if he becomes a starter in fantasy when we get back, look to him uh, if Seattle gets it together against someone other than Vancouver because uh, he could, he's had good numbers and, and that would transfer to a, a pretty great score on the defensive side with a clean sheet. So, um, guys, finally, is this, is this finally what we should have been seeing from Seattle all along? Um, yeah. Oh, the, go ahead. I, oh, the broadcast actually put it on there so everybody can circle it on their calendars, make a yearly reminder to pop up on you. July 18th is when Seattle comes alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, and they ran the stats from like the last three seasons or the last two seasons or whatever with the comebacks. They said MLS regular season from the start of the season to July 18th, they are under 1.1 points a game. It's between 1 and 1.1 points a game. After July 18th, they jump up to 2.15 points per game. Like, more than double what they do in the first half of the season, which is insane. So, And they said that's been the number, that's been the date. So just mark it on your calendar, get your reminder out for next year. That's when Seattle really becomes fantasy viable, and we go from there. All right, and the final game that we'll talk about... Uh, Miami versus New York City FC. Congrats, Mike. Congrats. Hey, we got a win. You got a W. We all did well on this podcast. 
Uh, New York City FC wins <laughs> zero to one. A uh, goal from uh, Tajori and assisted by Matrita. Um, Miami did outshoot New York eight to seven. They outcrossed New York eighteen to thirteen. And but New York had the the more possession with uh, fifty nine to forty one. So Mike, uh, did you have any key players from here? What was your general reaction to this game? Uh, I mean, general reaction, I wasn't like amazingly impressed but i mean it was a tough game a bear ended up having a hamstring injury um in yesterday's practice so he wasn't able to play in this game and then max morales only subbed on late um, which was actually a little bit more than we were expecting from him uh but i mean they did what they needed to do to get it get the win but that's kind of it we were you know we were really going into this game like thinking that they needed a double um to win by two or more to really give them a chance if you look at the tie-breaking scenarios they don't give themselves a lot of leeway. Um, like, for example, in order to get past uh, Blaine's group, we need Sporting Kansas City to lose by three. So that's not ideal. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I, I mean, it's one of those things where it's good, you got the win, but it's a win over expansion team. I don't think a whole, a whole lot of I feel better about New York City other than it's good to get to see Tajuri Shradi on the score sheet. And to add, Blaine? Um, I, I know Michael hate it, but I watched this one this morning, and it looked like two teams that just couldn't find a goal, couldn't buy a goal. Um, I feel like New York City got really lucky coming off of a hydration break and just caught Miami napping. And in a game like that, that's all it takes is one moment where somebody's not quite paying attention, and Tajori Shroudy made the most of it. Like, I mean, it was a nice goal, but... I really felt like they caught him napping. Otherwise, this would have been a 0-0 game all the way through. All right, and that's and that's the takeaways. Uh, once the group stage is finished, uh, we'll work on having some comprehensive numbers to sort of show to everyone for, for who's doing well. But th- this is coming down to, to the end. I mean, if you look at who's already made it, Orlando and Philly have already made it, San Jose has already made it, th- there is a star next to Seattle for Seattle having already made it, but can't i i think chicago technically could make it because seattle has four points chicago has three points seattle's played its three games chicago's got one more game so well yeah but but seattle has basically clinched getting into the round for the third okay there we go that's because like new york city can make it there's a bunch of teams that can get to three points so if you if you have four points you're in there we go. Thank you. It's this it's this weird third place system that's throwing me off when I'm looking. Like it makes it totally see like Santa I guess there's no number next to it, but thank you. Thank you for that. Uh Columbus has also already made it and Portland has already made it. So that that's really the interesting one for me with Columbus is is they don't really need to do anything in this next game. So are they just gonna rest everything up and maybe Atlanta gets a win, but um well, that's where it comes into. Still crazy. Do you care more about this tournament, or do you think there's a regular season where that regular exactly. season game matters more? Exactly. And I did misspeak a little bit ago. FC Cincinnati is not second in Group E. They are third due to goal differential with that big O negative three goal differential right yeah. there. Uh, that'll be a that'll be a really fun game. New York City FC versus New York City FC. New York Red Bulls versus Cincinnati. That would also be a fun game, Mike. We're both struggling, so yeah, that that would be fun. Uh, but the Red Bulls. I have to root. I have to root for the Red Bulls in that game against FC Cincinnati, according to <laughs> the scenarios. Which makes me very sad. It's okay. 
it's all okay uh it's it's wild um but we'll be back next week to give updates for that as we're winding down week three i hope everyone has found these helpful i know we ran a little bit long we were trying to to sort of get through it uh with respect to everyone's time but uh thank you so much you guys have any final closing comments mike nope just stay safe blaine nothing for me all right and uh of course as always thank you all for listening you can check out this in the previous podcast uh over at soundcloud also go to the youtube i don't have them all up on fantasy boss right now uh, just because of the downtime but everything's over at the youtube channel so uh check that out in the soundcloud so thank you every very much everyone for listening tonight and good luck